Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Give Hector a call. He's a local dude. 940 453 3490. Also brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It is Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 179, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, 12-letter cuss words. Yes, sir. All of you 12-letter cuss words, you are about to be dazzled <laughs> and entertained. We've got Clarence E. Hill Jr. We've got Ed Werder on the podcast today. And, of course, all sorts of fun conversation discussing a variety of wonders across the planet. But we do need to tell you, speaking of wonders about Hector Flores. Have you given him a call yet? Because Hector is the man who is going to help you save. I didn't realize this, but 10% of every check should go into savings. That helps you build up an emergency fund. Once you build that fund up, you want to start a second account that could be a Roth IRA. Now, not everyone is eligible for that, but Hector can direct you through this. Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks that are fantastic tools when it comes to retirement. So as Hector will tell you, think about it this, we all pay bills. Every single one of us has bills we pay. You should be paying yourself and you treat it like a bill. Well, this is what I'm going to do this month. This goes here as I am preparing for my future later on. Dude, what he's telling you is the truth. I mean, and you don't have to take my word for it. You can read a lot of different financial things and they'll tell you the same thing, that you got to start saving, pay yourself first, pay yourself 10% or whatever. But the thing about Hector, man, is a lot of people say they want to do this, they want to talk about it, but they're not really about it. Hector will make sure that you're about it. And that's because he'll create a plan for you, a personalized plan, a custom plan, a plan that fits you and your budget, your lifestyle to help you get where you want to be, whether you want to be conservative, whether you want to be aggressive, or whether you want to be somewhere in the middle. It's easy to do, man. Schedule it today. It costs nothing to meet with Hector. You can sit down with them and go through this 940-453-3490. Hector Flores, he's a big podcast listener, listens to every episode. You guys can discuss that, and then he'll figure out how to help you save for your future. 
940-453-3490. It's Hector Flores. Also, of course, Robert Greening and his green team, the attorneys at Greening Law. This is another one of those numbers. I've mentioned this before because I use them. I got hurt in a car accident a few months back, and I experienced that, and I've gone and have been using Greening Law. They can help you. They are your legal competitor against the insurance companies, whether it's a car accident, malpractice, injured on the premises of a business. Perhaps you've even had birth injuries. They've they've represented all sorts of cases with all different clients. You need to give them a call if you think you've got a case. Dude, costs nothing to pick up the phone. Not a single solitary cent. Pick up the phone and ask Green Law, hey, can you guys help me? Hey, here's my situation. What do you think? Because if they take you on for a client, you are a winner. And that's because they'll take care of questions you didn't even know needed to be asked. They'll hook you up with facilities that will get your body better. Hey, ask Matt. He'll tell you. Indeed. And they will grind for you. Why? Because they don't get paid unless you get paid. They are motivated to work hard for you. Indeed. That's that's the key. The, the consultation is free. So make it today. If you've got questions, if you think you have a legal case and you need help, the attorneys at Robert Greening are ready for you. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys back at it. They have been off for 10 days, that mini bye week, and now they will see. This is what I love that the NFL has really gotten into this in recent years where all these division games come back around at the end of most teams' schedules, and the Cowboys are no different. The Cowboys, four of their final five games are divisional games. Somehow we've gotten into midway through December, and we haven't seen Washington yet. That changes on Sunday at noon. They will be in Washington, the second of three consecutive road games against the Washington football team in a game. The NFC East is not a given yet, but it can be if you can take care of business and do what you're supposed to do on Sunday afternoon. To me, this game is all about the East for two simple reasons. Real real simple. Number one, if you win, you crush their spirit. Washington football team is. You go up by three games with four to play, and essentially, unless you do like a Texas Rangers collapse of 2012, I believe it was, uh, you're not going to lose the division, okay? Mm-hmm. The division's done. If you lose, Washington goes, oh, snap. We one game back with four to play. We got them again, two with the Eagles, one with the Giants. Let's run the table, fellas. And I talk about it all the time, man. You don't want to give a team – a big old belief pill. And if you lose this week, you just give them a shot of IV, a big old belief pill with like 800 milligrams of belief in it, and they just start coming for you, bro. Yeah. In addition to the doubt that the Cowboys will have about where the hell did this season go wrong? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you can't allow that to happen. And Washington has been red hot lately. They've won four consecutive games. It is a team that has started to figure out how to stop opponents on the ground, which, as we already know, probably won't matter much against Dallas because they don't really run much anyway. But it's also a defense. When you look at this four-game winning streak, they've allowed 19, 21, 15, and 15 points. They've allowed 53. Actually, you go back the last couple of weeks before that, they started to figure it out. They have allowed one team, the Carolina Panthers, to even get close to 100 yards in their last six games when Carolina ran for 111. Everybody else, 57, 83, 53, 34, 76, This is going to be a game, and I don't think that we're breaking news to anybody here. 
with the injury to Tony Pollard and the torn plantar fascia, which I can't imagine. I mean, you feet are weird because look, you can shoot up a knee. It's hard to shoot up a foot and, and operate the way that you're used to with a numb foot and plantar fascia. Anybody who's ever had that or had a problem with that, it is extremely uncomfortable. And it, I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable just running in a straight line much less cutting and doing all these types of things that running backs have to do with that. And the Zeke problem with him being banged up and he keeps saying he's getting better, but we haven't seen the evidence on the field. <laughs> right. I imagine this is going to be a Dak Prescott game. No, it, it needs to be. And it has to be. And damn it. That's what you get paid 40 million for bro. And when I talk about that, I'm not saying, yo, yo, you got to do everything. No, no, no. What I'm saying is when the throws are there to be made, you got to make them. You can't be missing them. Yeah. If they drop it, that ain't on you. But you got to throw the ball accurately. You got to make those plays and give cats an opportunity to make plays for you. It also means, yo, bro, it's winning time. That's what my dad called it, this time of the season. It's winning time. If you need to run, then damn it, go run. If it's fourth and, you know, whether you need a foot, a yard, yeah. where you just need to escape the pocket, you need to go back to being dual threat Dak because that was a bad 12-letter cuss word. This guy here is really, really good. But what makes Dak special is he's a dual threat. One of the few in the leagues that's a legitimate dual threat guy. They need that dual threat back because we ain't seen it. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. And that's something that... Damn right I am. Well, we're going to talk. We'll ask Chill about that. We'll ask Ed Werder about it. But it has been noted. We've had people that have tweeted at us and be like, you know, you guys don't bring up the fact Dak's not running. What's going on? He's not. He's not running. And I don't know if it's hesitancy. I don't know if it's something back that that injury last year has him to where he just does not want to run anymore. But we haven't seen that. And that is something that he had been very dangerous with earlier in his career that we haven't really seen at all this year. No, and if they're going to win, man, at the, at, a, at the highest level, and that's what we're talking about right now, then Dak has got to do that. It's really that simple. It doesn't mean he's got to run 10 times. doesn't mean he needs to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Certainly doesn't mean he needs to be Taysom Hill. It just means when it's there, dog, take it. Uh, it doesn't hurt right now in a game like this. They ain't showed the, the zone read all year, the read option. Go ahead and pull it out this week. Let him go run. He's smart enough to know when to get down. Eight yards, boop, slide. It's just another threat, and they need that. They do need that. They're going to need it this week. And th this is going to be an interesting game, man, because I don't think any of us give Washington a lot of credit. There's no Chase Young. T Taylor Heineke is their quarterback. You know, Taylor Heineke, what is he going to do? Well, he, he has gotten a lot better, I think, as the season has gone along of kind of taking what's there. Now, he has thrown interceptions in his last couple of games, but he's gotten better than he was earlier in the year. He's completing 68, 69% of his passes, and he doesn't try to do too much. And, oh, by the way, if there's anybody on that offense that actually does put a little bit of a fright into you, it's Terry McLaurin, your guy from Ohio State, the wide receiver, who didn't really do a lot against the Raiders last week, but he is very capable of breaking some big plays. He'll make some plays for you. And I think him and Diggs will be an interesting matchup to keep an eye on as somebody who can actually turn in a big play. Well, I mean, that's been the fault of this defense all year. They're one of the worst uh, in the league in terms of giving up the big play. Way too many gains of 20 yards or more. That's how teams in the NFL score, man. You can look, There's a direct result between plays of 20 yards or more and scoring points in the NFL. And if the Cowboys are going to play well, they'll keep McLaurin in check and they won't give up the big plays. Um, this is also a week to look for 
uh, Trayvon Diggs to get a pick because I think Washington, if he's matched up with McLaurin, they're going to go to McLaurin. Yeah, and, and that would be, again, Diggs is one pick away from becoming the third Cowboy ever with 10 or more interceptions in a season. You had Renfro that did it with 10, and then Everson Walls in 1981 had 11. Trayvon Diggs might be... I mean, that, that would just blow my mind because you just don't see guys. The Cowboys never have a guy like this, which is kind of awesome. The other thing about Washington, Antonio Gibson earlier in the year, and trust me, I know this because he's on my fantasy team and he had been a frustration. He was dealing with the shin that had kept him from being real effective. He finally has started to be healthy again, and he's not even on their injury report anymore. The last three games for Antonio Gibson, 19 for 95, 29 for 111, 23 for 88. They want to feed this dude. He is averaging over 20 attempts rushing a game in his last four games. And if Dallas struggles to stop the run at all, Antonio Gibson is a type of running back that will take advantage of that, and they will help to sustain some drives to keep the Dallas offense off the field. And he's been kicking their ass the last couple of years, too. Mm-hmm. So he's entering this game with a whole lot of confidence about what he can do. Yeah, so this is an interesting one to me. I I still, look, Dallas on paper is a better team. If the Dallas Cowboys that we know come out and play the games that we've seen them capable of playing, they win this game. But we also know that that Dallas Cowboys team, for whatever reason, the last few weeks has been hit and miss. I, I wasn't super impressed with the win over the Saints, but a win is a win. I still think that this is a win they're going to get. I, I, I think they're feeling it. They're getting some of their guys back. They're starting to, I think we're about to see this team put put some things together for the stretch run here, and they're getting some of the health back at the right times. I like Dallas to win this game, but I think it's going to be a fight, and I think Dallas is going to win this something like 24-20. to 20. Oh, well, see, I'm going to take it down a notch. I think you Cowboys prevail because I think their defense – is primed to play well. I'm looking forward to watching. Check this out, Matt. Odigizua and Neville Gallimore do their thing inside. I think with Tank Lawrence, uh, they're all going to be hard to run against, especially because, uh, you know, Gallimore is, is healthy, which means he ain't got a lot of tread on his tires. Anyway, I think the Cowboys win, but I think it's even uh, tighter than you said. I think the Cowboys win 19 19- 17. Ooh, that would be the third consecutive week that the Washington football team has scored 17 points. Yeah. Because they won their last two games 17-15. So that'd be that'd be interesting. We're we're kind of similar. We're right we're right there. I think it's going to be a close one. But this is a game you just gotta win. Pick this one up and then head to New York the following week and just whip the shit out of it. The Giants suck. And we'll get yeah, into that next week. But I I mean the Giants are not good. No, I think everybody knows that, but this, you know, this is the one you got to take care of. Yeah, it is. You you need they have to get this. You have to get to 9 and 4. You have to keep pace with everybody else in the division of doom, and it's going to be an interesting week. We'll we'll see how that plays out because you look at some of the other games in this division of doom that we like to call it. You look at it right now, it's the the Green Bay Packers have Chicago. The you got to think Green Bay is probably going to win that game. Chicago is not very good. Tampa has Buffalo on Sunday. That's an interesting one, but it's in Tampa. (laughs) So it's not in the frigid conditions that we saw in Buffalo. And Buffalo's just struggled, man. And and so as you're trying to keep pace again with some of these other teams that are out there, you look at that and you say, well, the interesting one is Arizona and Los Angeles. 
They right. are playing each other right now this weekend. And if, if Los Angeles can knock off Arizona and the Cowboys win, that'd be nine and four. And then they'd just be one game back of Arizona with Green Bay and Tampa probably also at 10 and three. And then the Cowboys and Arizona, of course, play in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot of interesting moving parts this weekend. So we'll see how it turns out for the division of doom. Yeah, man. It's, but, you know, it, it always, it, it, as the Cowboys fit into the mix, man, it's always about, are you playing your best football? Right. If you do, everything else takes care of itself. When you don't, that's when you have problems. And sometimes you can't play for a variety of reasons. Sometimes injuries. Sometimes you just ain't playing good guys in the slump. It doesn't matter. But when they play their best football, they're one of the top teams in the league. We just ain't seen their best football in a long time. We have not. So hopefully it comes back. Otherwise, this is going to be another very frustrating offseason or a postseason because they are Hell going to make yeah. the playoffs. And, and, I've said this many times. I'm not joking. If they end up having to go to Lambeau Field in the divisional round and Rodgers gets them again, I just, I'm going to, I will film myself vomiting and put it on a video somewhere. Wow. Because I'm not, I'm not into that. I I, I just, I know that we're a ways off from that, but, or what if Dak does what he couldn't do his rookie season, what Romo couldn't do in 14 and Dak goes to Lambeau and brings it to Aaron Rodgers. See, how about that? And then I will that? build a, a little mini statue of Dak. <laughs> like a little Dak <laughs> shrine. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody, I think the bottom line is nobody wants to deal with Green Bay. No, man, we don't um, want to mess, no, not at all. In December, or actually in January. Nobody wants to do that. Not at all. Not at all. No, sir. All right, we need to take a trip around the block because we've got a lot to get into. And before we do that, again, we appreciate the support of our sponsors and Blue Star Motor Group, BlueStarMotorGroup.com. You can give Deb a call if you are looking for that vehicle. I always say this, and I think it's true. You may have already been like, well, I don't know, so I went to a different dealership. Okay, that, that's great. I would give Deb a call and just be like, hey, Deb, I hear them talking about you all the time on the Jam Session podcast. I actually went somewhere else. This is what I'm looking for, but I, I wanted to make sure I touched base with you, and that's the smart thing to do. Are they going to be able to find the exact car you want? Maybe. I don't know. But if you don't call and bring them into the conversation for what you're looking for, you're just losing out. You need to at least touch base with Deb, 817-881-4066, and let her know what you're looking for because she'll set out trying to help you. She really will try to help you. No, you know, I, I've talked to Deb, Mike, several times, many times, tried to get some deals done. Sent them several customers, and the bottom line is it, man, is they they really are about the win-win. Every business is not. We all know that. But they're about the win-win, and uh, they want, when the deal is done and the, the contracts are signed and the handshakes are complete, they want everybody feeling like, wow, I can't wait to buy another car from them, or I can't wait to send my friends to them. So they'll give you the best deal. Seriously, they'll give you the best deal, whether they're buying your car, whether you're selling a car. And how about this? If they can't give you the best deal, they'll tell you straight up. They'll tell you, wow, you got a great deal on that. We can't match that one. Unbelievable. Yeah, they will. But you don't know if you don't give her a call. I'm dead serious. Please make sure you touch base with them for your car buying needs or selling. 817-881-4066. You can see their inventory online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. It is the way to go. And if you are looking to sell your vehicle, they're going to be able to give you more cash in a lot of cases because they don't have the overhead that a dealership has. It's Deb or husband, Mike. They're big listeners of the podcast. They're local. They're going to help you out. 817-881-4066. You can even shoot her a text if you want. She'll respond to your text. 
Also, of course, Bruce Biltong. Biltong. Mmm, Biltong. Mmm, it's Biltong. It's like beef jerky, but it is a traditional South African air-dried meat. It is better. I love Biltong. What's the phrase we were going to use? I know. We forgot what it was. Okay, I guess we need to go back and listen to this. Something like, Biltong is awesome. Eat it. Something like that? Something like that. Oh, I know what it was. Biltong is badass. Eat it. Biltong is badass. Eat it. I think that's what it was. Like, don't just stare at it. Eat it. Eat it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Biltong, man. It's, It's delicious. Jacques and I love it. Many of you, many of you have messaged about how you've tried it and now you highly enjoy it. Zero sugar. No artificial ingredients. They've got the bigger sizes. You can also order the two-ounce snack packs. 240 calories, 30 grams of protein. I literally eat Biltong pretty much every day. Because <laughs> I think it's... it's what, And I've talked about this. It's such a healthy snack, but I love how it tastes. Like, I actually think it's... I think it's phenomenal. I, I highly enjoy it. No, it's great, bro. I mean, I've, um, I've gotten to the point where... <laughs> It's my afternoon snack, man, uh, because, again, it's about t- for a two ounce bags, about 240 calories, uh, which is not much. 30 grams of protein, no carbs, no sugar, no fat, nothing but good stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to watch your weight like me and get lean and mean and start your beach ready process, then it doesn't get any better than that. It's Bruce Biltong, a B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, Bruce Biltong, which brew means bro in South African, and this is a super chill dude, started it in his house, his friends loved it so much, he started a company. We are the first, we are the only podcast that he sponsors, which is awesome, and you guys have done a great job of supporting him, we truly appreciate it. Check it out, bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order at bruisebiltong.com. So let's do this block trip because I have discovered a variety of items for which we will discuss, and I hope that you're ready for it. Yeah, okay. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm going to, th- let's throw a surprise for me in the block Ooh, at the end. A surprise? It's a, it's a little, it's a, Okay. You know, one time during my first marriage, I got cussed out for this. This is not like a surprise that you go, oh, the diamond ring. No, no, oh, it's not okay. like that. It's like something I got at five below. Okay. But it's a nice little surprise, but it's something okay. I got at five below. All right. Well, every time I hear surprise, I always think there is a commercial when I was a kid from the in the 80s. And it was surprise, surprise, puppy surprise. How many puppies are there inside? There could be two or three or five. Surprise. And it was for pound puppies. Wow. The toy. Yeah, it was weird. And like the little, the little dog would get pregnant and you could unvelcro the stomach and there'd be like little miniature puppies inside of it. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but it's not very good. I swear, dude. It's real. Look it up. Google, Google pound puppies. I'm telling you straight up. It's a thing that exists. Some of you will remember that. But I wanted to bring this up. First, let's start with your buddy, Emmett, because number 22, the great number 22 the, and I will argue this, I don't care. I will argue this with anybody. I believe Emmett Smith is the greatest running back of all time. And people go, oh, well, he didn't do what Barry does. Guess what? Barry quit. Okay? Well, he didn't do this. Well, guess what? Emmett did it his entire freaking career. And I, I, it drives me nuts that people will discount. Well, he, was, he just did it because he lasted for a long. Yeah, that's what makes him the greatest. It's like when you're having a lover. Do you want the lover that's really cute and quick? 
and is like, man, that was really great, but it only lasted 30 seconds? Or do you want the lover that brings it and is consistent, and three hours later, you're like, oh my God, is this ever going to stop? You know what I'm saying? Well, frankly, I do. Yes. That's why Emmett Smith is the greatest. Anyway, Emmett Smith. That's why she called me Emmett Smith. (laughs) Is that what she said, huh? Yeah, back in the day. Okay, all right. Now it all makes sense. And then I got mad because she was talking about another man. Oh, yeah. Well, look, you know, hey, whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. But I bring him up because he is about to open a restaurant on the Las Vegas Strip, a 30,000-square-foot venue. It'll open in the spring of 2022. It is a first-rate destination for fine dining, live concerts, watch parties, and other elite events. Kind of cool. Dude, here's the thing I know. Emmett Smith is to the point, to me, just me, where pretty much whatever he touches turns to gold because he deals with so many good investment people and people who give such good advice and he's surrounded by so many smart people. And so if he's involved with it, it's hard for it to go wrong. And he's a, uh, he's a good businessman. He's a good dude. And uh, at some point, I'm going to go out to Vegas and check it out. Yeah, you're going to have to. You know, I have never been to Vegas, which always surprises people. It's, it just surprised me. Yeah, I've never been. I never went when I was younger, and now that I'm older, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know at some point I probably should go and check it out, but I've never been a club party person. Nah, man, you, you can go to Vegas and have a blast. People watching and going to shows, and uh, you know, now that you got, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not counting your pockets, but now that you got a little extra cash because you're a big shot in Birmingham. Oh yeah, watch out for me. You can, you can go and enjoy, you know, some really cool shows and some stuff you'd never see. And dude, there's, you know, there's just no place like it to just check out from an aesthetic standpoint. It's, uh, you need to go check it out just for the aesthetics because yeah. it is, you know, I went there for a fight. A couple of years ago, and I was like, "This is really my first time hanging out," and I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah, and, and I you know damn well that yeah. I ain't no club guy. No, yeah, exactly, and and that's part of what it's been for me for a long time. I guess is, you know, my brother tried to get me to go years ago, and I probably should have gone with him, but I I don't know why I didn't. But I don't know. I mean, Vegas is one of those things. I'm sure I'll do it at some point in my life. But what's it's funny like is New I would York, get L.A. and Chicago. Yeah. You just need to go check it out and yeah. see what it's all about. And I've been to New York is a place I'd like to go again. You know, I'd like to go to Washington, D.C. again because I've only been once in my life and I was in eighth grade on a history trip. And I'd love to go to Washington again as an adult because I have an even greater appreciation for the history of, of what all is in Washington and whatnot. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's places that are like that are kind of weird that I've, I've you know, like I've I went to New York. I was only there for one weekend, and it was the May of 2001, a few months before 9-11. And I've got a picture right. atop the Empire State Building with the Twin Towers over my shoulder, Whoa. which is weird. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't – I need to get back up to New York at some point. Yeah, bro. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I mean, we, we've been talking about maybe doing a trip to New York or, or to Chicago next year, so we'll see. We'll probably go to one of those places and hang out. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and I thought this was really interesting, is – there is a traveling magazine called Condé Nast, which apparently is like one of the most popular like websites and magazines for travelers and all this. Right. Well, they have named Dallas as one of the best destinations 
and the best places in the country to visit at Christmas time. Really? Yes. They say that they have an unranked list of 23 destinations across the country, and a handful of them are in DFW, including the four-story Christmas tree at the Galleria, which is obviously right there for those that don't know at 635 in the tollway. It is a 95-foot tall tree. And if you've never been to see that, it actually is pretty badass because it is massive. I have not been to see it, so do I need to put that on my bucket list? I guess. I mean, are you really super into Christmas? <laughs> I don't know. Why do you laugh when you say that? Because it seems weird to be super into Christmas, but some people are. Okay. I'm not have you never? That. Have you not been to the Galleria? What do you mean? The Galleria Mall, like right, like it's you know yeah, what I'm talking about, like what there, the ice skating and all that. This, the, yeah, I've been there a bunch, but just not during Christmas. Not during Christmas, because okay. you know, actually, I, I go the other way. The closer we get to holiday season, the less I'm out. Yeah, I, I tend to be that way as well. I mean, that's I've been there a couple of times, but it is it is a massive, massive tree. The other things that are mentioned is holiday at the Arboretum, the Dallas Arboretum, which is really cool. They they put up all these different little houses and whatnot in, in this Christmas village thing at the Dallas Arboretum. And it's a, it's a pretty cool area to go all kinds of different. They call it the Christmas village with literally millions of lights that are animated to music, hmm. which is kind of cool. They also recommended the Dallas zoo lights and miracle, which is a holiday themed pop-up bar bar. Really? Yeah, we actually did that. We went to a holiday-themed pop-up bar here in Birmingham last week. It's called Miracle on 24th Street, and you walk inside, it's like Christmas threw up. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, it's almost too much. Like You're like, whoa, your brain can't process. Everywhere you look, it's just Christmas stuff everywhere. All the drinks are Christmassy. The employees are dressed up like elves and Mrs. Claus and all kinds of stuff like that. Damn, that's a trip, right? There. It is a trip, man. I mean, it's something else. So, I mean, all those out of 23, Dallas has four spots listed in the top 23 in the country. Damn. Who knew? But at one level, I'm not surprised, man. This is a really cool city. Even though we live here, you used to yeah. live here. It's really a cool city when you compare it to the other big cities. It's it's right up there. It doesn't lack for anything. Oh, Especially that's... Now that yeah. Now that, uh, you know, downtown has kind of been revitalized and we got all of these pockets. And I got to tell you, man, one of the coolest things they're doing, and we've actually talked about it on the show a number of different times and different scenarios often on the block, is the number of places that they've just created to just go sit and yeah and talk <laughs> or sit and hang out like the AT&T Plaza downtown. And there's like four or five things that they just well, we ain't have anything to do with this space. Let's carve out this concrete park or something for people to just hang out uh, at their leisure. And it's uh, it's actually turned downtown into kind of a cool spot. Yeah, it is. And, and one thing they say about Dallas, and this is very true, they say proving you don't need cold temperatures to get into the Christmas spirit, the holiday celebrations in Dallas put most northern cities to shame. Whoa. And I think that's true. I will say that's something around here that I've noticed is Birmingham, you know, there's a little bit of it. Like, Birmingham is home to the largest cast iron statue in the world. It's called the Vulcan. Well, it's not the Vulcan. They'll tell you that. It's not the Vulcan. It's just Vulcan. It's called Vulcan. And, you know, the Birmingham was the Pittsburgh of the South back in the Industrial Revolution. It was known as a steel city, the magic city, because it was, I mean, it was putting out as much steel as, as Pittsburgh was back in the day. And so Vulcan is like the Roman god of steel and forging and all that. 
But Vulcan is a huge statue that sits on top of one of the, they call it, they call them mountains here, but it's the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And so they're really just like huge ass hills. But the Vulcan sits on top of one of them and they light it up. at, And you can see anywhere you are, once you get close to downtown Birmingham, you can see it from everywhere. And it's really? kind of all lit up in Christmas lights this time of year. Yeah, it's, you can go to the top of it. Like you can take an elevator up and, and it's a beautiful view of the city which is kind of cool, but, and then one of the buildings downtown, what is that? It's the region's bank building. Each side of the building has a, and you know, this is one of those 50 story buildings or whatever it is. Each side is lit up. Like one side's lit up like a Christmas tree and the other side has a giant wreath on it and all that. So that's cool. But other than that, there's not, it's not like Dallas where there's all these huge areas to go to for lights and stuff like that. Like Dallas does a real, and Fort Worth, you know, they both do a really good job of, of putting on some of these things for the holidays. Not when, you know, I don't really think about it much, but when you say it like that, it comes to mind and you know, there's lights everywhere. It's, uh, yeah. you know, I got number love for big D bro. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up as well, and, and this is, this is really, I don't even know what this means, but they put out a list of the best, like the, the, the suburbs of Dallas that are most city-like, which I, I saw this and I was like, what the hell does that mean? I'm trying to figure that out. Like, what do you mean most city-like? They are cities. Like Dallas has some of the best suburbs of any major city in the country. And maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about more like self-contained suburbs where you can really... You could live in Plano, and if you never wanted to go outside yeah. of Plano city limits, you'd be straight. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And, and the most city-like Dallas suburb, and I don't know if I agree with this one or not, they named it South Lake. Ain't no black people out there, so no, nah, that ain't the most city-like suburb. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just— before y'all hit me up, I realized there's some black people out there, but there ain't a lot of them, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and so this is by—it's a new study— called the best suburbs in the country, the best suburbs in the country, I'm sorry, for city-like living. And South Lake is the number one suburb in the country for city-like living. Right. And I just thought, what the hell city are these people from? South Lake is the number one suburb? You have to be, you have to drive a Tesla to be able to get through South Lake. <laughs> and South Lake is really about new money. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, and when I say that, what I mean is it doesn't have a lot of character to it because it's still really new. I mean, we're talking about cities. It's like 30 years. I mean, I realize it's older than that, but it's only been booming for like since the uh, early 90s. I just don't get this. I mean, again, let me read to you what they say about. Okay, so the survey started at approximately 1,000 suburbs across the country located near the 100 largest metro areas. Okay. Suburbs were considered as having a population between 10 and 100,000 residents. Metrics right. include number of retail and restaurants per 1,000 of the local population, park and recreation area, square footage, public schools, crime, the availability of self-storage, stuff like this. But here's, <laughs> this is what I don't get. According to the list, South Lake emerges, South Lake emerges as the best location for Americans seeking an urban feel within a suburban Stop. context, thanks to its bounty of community features and optimal housing. Have you been to South Lake? Urban features and optimal housing? 
Bro, this is like when Pro Football Focus didn't have Des Bryant as one of the top hundred players of the year. He had a you know ninety three catches, sixteen hundred yards, and fifteen touchdowns. Like, what are y'all talking about? Urban feel. I mean, if you want to say South Lake's one of the top suburbs for some other reasons, okay, we we feel you. We die with that because they've appeared on other lists because it's a hoity toity place where people with money live and yeah. all of that. There ain't nothing urban, urbane. Got a city feel in South Lake. Even the town square ain't got that, dog. Come what on, are man. we talking about? Urban feel? In South- <sighs> That's somebody who just saw in South Lake, oh, look at all these things that people say about it. Must be a great place, even though they've never been. Urban feel. Yeah, bro. They can on, urban man. feel my ass. Wow. Optimal housing? <laughs> my God, if you don't make like a million dollars, you can't even afford a house in South Lake. I mean, it's, it's one of the highest... Um, you know, zip codes in Dallas. You I mean, know, I don't know. Behind maybe like Preston Hollow in South, I mean, in a Highland Park. <laughs> this is just bizarre, man. I don't even know how they, like, look, if you want to describe it a certain way, that's great. But I would say, do you love bougie? Do you love basic white? You'll love South Lake. Exactly. Now, Colleyville is also on this list, which is basically South Lake. And look. Yeah. Rockwall's on this list. I love Rockwall, obviously. I mean, I love Rockwall. But Rockwall is like the, well, it's not quite on the same level as like a, a well, it might be now. No. It wasn't when well, I lived out there. But They're probably talking more about the Heath. Yeah, Rockwall. Heath is different. Rockwall Heath is as bougie as it gets, man. So, yes, yeah, so there's a list. Apparently, South Lake is urban. Who knew? Yeah. I, never, I never would have guessed. Maybe no. it's just me. Never. I have a different idea of urban than South Lake, that's for sure. I don't even consider South Lake suburb, and I consider South Lake like elite. Like they need a new yeah. category of description for whatever South Lake is. <laughs> that's just, you know, South Lake has these massive Tesla charging stations like all over the place. You know why? I know that. Yeah, because how many suburbs, I mean, seriously, how many suburbs in Texas do you think have, I mean, they have massive multiple locations for Tesla charging. Wow. Probably because there's a whole, all these Teslas in South Lake. You know why? Because rich people live there and rich people buy Teslas. There you go. That's the moral of the story. I will tell you this. If you have been noticing some cracks in your foundation, if perhaps you woke up one day and you're like, what is this right here? And you're not exactly sure. You need to get it checked out. Do not wait. Waiting is the worst thing that you can do. Maybe you've had somebody out before that gave you a look. But you need to check out HFX Foundation Solutions. HFX Foundation Solutions, it's local, it's family. Aaron and his crew will come out. It's a free, no-obligation inspection to make sure that you don't have any problems. If you do, you want to catch that early. They do offer third-party financing. They can get you taken care of, and they will be with you every step of the way. No, man, I think we've said it a thousand times, and so I don't mind saying it you know, one more time because I think it's important. We often joke, but we're serious at the same time because we do that a lot. But HFX is like giving your house a colonoscopy. And what we mean is everybody does it, and here's why. If they find something, normally they find it so early in the process that it costs you a fraction of the cost if they find it late. And secondly, if HFX and Aaron gives you a clean bill of health, you ain't got nothing to worry about, man. You can pop some bottles and throw a big party at the crib because you know it's going to be good. And so that's why we say give them a call. It doesn't cost anything for them to check it out. 
And you have the peace of mind that comes from that. Yeah. It's A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. You can give them a call, 817-770-0174, 817-770-0174. You can check them out. You can schedule your appointment, schedule your free, no obligation inspection online at hfxfoundation.com. But do not wait. This is not the type of thing that you want to mess around with. Make sure that you're doing it right and getting it taken care of. Also, of course, you talk about doing it right and getting it taken care of. That's why Freeway Tire Shop exists. JR and his guys, they will get it right. They will stand behind their work until they get it right, and they're going to get you taken care of. It is the mechanic you can trust. It is the mechanic where I know you take all of your cars there now, right there off of 35 north of downtown Dallas. It's the place to go. Dude, the reason why it's the place to go is, and Matt just alluded to it, it's it's the trust factor, man. And I trust JR like none other when it comes to fixing my car, man, because I trust him to diagnose the problem. I trust him to use quality parts to fix the problem, which not every mechanic does. I trust him to give me a fair price. How about that? And then I trust the man to stand behind his work and guarantee it. He does all those things. He does them all consistently. And that's why he's the mechanic, the official mechanic of my house. The official mechanic of the Jam Session <laughs> podcast, man. It is Freeway Tire Shop. You can check them out online. You can schedule an appointment, request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. All right, it is time. We haven't done this in a couple of weeks because the last two Cowboys games have been on Thursday, so everybody's schedule gets wonky. But he is brought to you by Soda Weight Loss, longtime Cowboys beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us in Chill, you were out there today. You heard the words of Mike McCarthy. The, the Cowboys are moving the 9-4. and four. We don't even need to play the game. He's, he's that sure about the win on Sunday. Is it confidence? Is it cockiness? Is it false confidence? Is it you trying to put something out there that your team has to live up to? Uh, I think it's all of that. And, and Dak talked about it. You know, obviously we believe him. He said shit, yeah, when, he, you know, he, when we asked him, he was backing up with what Mike McCarthy said, but he's also – he also sees it as Mike McCarthy setting the tone for the week and telling you what he thinks and letting the team know what he thinks. And now it's on them to be accountable for his work. Now that you've known McCarthy for a couple of years, did what he say surprise you in any way, shape, or form? You know what? Uh, it wasn't uh, – the thing about it is, is it wasn't like he was asked. He just kind of threw it out there. It was, it was another – it was that part of a longer question about the problems on the team and all this other stuff and then – and I think it was like, you know, yeah, we got these problems, but we're confident and we're going to win the game. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of threw it out there. You know, we know what y'all think of us. You know, baseball, like, what, what do you mean? What do you know what y'all think? I mean, so it's, it's almost like paranoia to me because he, he started, we know what y'all think of us. We know, we, you know, we, we know what we think of ourselves and, and we're going to win the game. And I'm like, first of all, what do we think of you? I mean, where, where are you getting this from? You know. <laughs> And he didn't answer that question, but I mean, you know, this, you know, so it wasn't like he just went out there and said, "I'm going to guarantee," or, or did did Jimmy Lott Johnson of put it in six ten headlines? You know what I'm saying? He didn't say that, but he said it, and we heard it, and then we asked him about both <laughs> more material and said, "What am I supposed to say?" Well, you don't have to say nothing, coach. You can just say, "We're going," you know, "We know important of the game, and we're prepared, we're ready to go, and you know, we're looking forward to seeing Sunday." But no, he he did more than that. He said, we're going to win the game. A couple of the injuries that pop up that, obviously the Tony Pollard one, it seems very concerning when it's a torn plantar fascia. 
He says he's going to be a game-time decision, but how concerned are they about what that injury means for their running game and for Tony Pollard? Well, they keep thinking and talk to them. They believe he's going to play. You know, they expect him to play. <laughs> uh, understanding that I, if you've had a plantar fasciitis issue, it, it's painful. I've had it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's also something that uh, Taysom Hill had to kept him out a couple of games. Uh, he still had it last week, and he ran pretty well against the Cowboys. You know, obviously it depends on how serious it is, but he supposedly suffered the injury on the 58-yard touchdown run. And the, the good news is he's not limping. He is out there working with Britt, you know, doing rehab stuff. So it's not like it's so painful where he can't do anything. But he's not out there on the field. So he's out there on the field going through rehab and doing some things. And I know he said today it's going to be a game-time decision depending on how much pain it is or he has with it. But he expects to play. They all expect him to play. But, again, for, for a team that already has a hobble to Zeke Elliott, you know, who, who is admittedly hurt and he has more than a bone bruise, which I've been saying for a long time now, uh, he's not at 100%. Now, Tony Pollard, the guy, everybody said, well, he needs to be playing more than Zeke. and He needs to get more carries than Zeke. Now he's hobbled. How are you going to fix the running game? I think the running game is very important to – the Cowboys' success and what they do on offense, I think you look at the decline on offense, it has a lot to do with teams crowding the line and stopping the run and the receivers not being able to get open. But they kind of go hand-in-hand hand with this Cowboys team, and they haven't been right for a while. I was going to say, I think, how do you how do you think it plays off of that? If those guys can't go, do you see a, uh, a reverse of the Bill Belichick game plan where they just say, forget it, we'll just throw it 60 times? Well, you, you, you know, go back to the <laughs> – you know, and they did that actually against Tampa in, in the season opener. You know, they, they did throw it, and they did say forget to run the game. And, you know, the Cowboys want to run the football. You have to be able to run the football in December, how it helps. You know, McCarthy talks about how running the ball helps the offense, how it helps the defense, how it helps the football team. They want to be able to run the ball. But, you know, this this is a game where they may have to lean on the pass. And I know one thing, we talked to Dak today, and Dak said that, you know, because I've asked him, dude, you know, there have been times out there when you could have run it. Do you look at back at the film and say, I could have gotten some with my feet? I know you've been cautious this year about not running and being smart. Uh, and he said, yeah, there have been times you probably should have run it. And he said, this, this is the time of the season, you know, December, important uh, division games, playoff games, when he will take off more. And, and, I, and I think that's, that's the thing about the Dak Prescott this year and in past years is part of Dak's game is making plays with his feet. You know, and, and, and yes, he's, he's improved as a passer. He can throw the ball and it's, and it's great reading that. He has great receivers. But part of what makes him different, what sets him apart, is making plays with his feet. He has not done that enough this year. Well, that's a good question, man, and that's a great point. And the question is, um, is, it, is it strictly with the, with the calf or is it strictly about I don't want to miss no time from getting hurt? Uh, what do you think it is and will they, will, you know, do you, he says that, but do you actually believe he'll incorporate that more into his game? Well, I mean, I think he has to. I mean, that, that's what if the Cowboys are going to be at their best. That's going to be at their best. That's part of his game. That's part of making him who he is. Now, he was right coming into the season saying, I'm going to be smart about this. But even early in the season, you saw him take off, take off and make some runs. You know, you add in the cast. I certainly he hasn't run at all, you know, since coming back from the cab injury. You know, and, and you have seen some of his plays, the things have opened up where he's throwing the ball when he could have easily run for the first down. You know, and I don't know if he's, he's making it. And he's not doing much outside the pocket. It's, his his, his uh, passer rating outside the pocket on, on, on rollouts is much lower than it was early in the season, and he's actually doing it less. You know, and that's all part of this gumbo that, that's been a bad mix for the Cowboys, in addition to the receivers not being able to get open in the running game, not being able to uh, 
and get started. You know, that that's all part of the issue. But I, I think that he is, he, at least he said today, that, you know, this is the time of year when he should use his legs more. Micah Parsons shows up on the injury report today with a hip limited in practice. Obviously, any Cowboy fan that read that was going, what in the world is happening there? What can you tell us about that with Micah? You know, right now we, we don't know much other than that he, he showed up and he was limited in practice. I don't think it's a situation just talking to people that's going to keep him out of games. But, you know, it, isn't that how it is for the Cowboys? You, you finally get excited, you know, just coming off the, the Tampa game. I mean, not Tampa, New Orleans game. And you, you think, okay, fine. You know, Zeke is hurt, but Tony's showing something. Maybe they're going to use Tony more. Then Tony shows up in the report with a foot injury. Now, the practice all week. You know, now you, you're all excited about, they finally get the, the, the demons, the, the pass rush of Ogden on the field together the first time. We're going to see Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons, all at the best, all healthy and ready to go. And, of course, today in practice, Michael Parsons gets hurt. But it's just like, or, or he shows up on injury report and he's limited. He, you know, he might not be 100%. It just, that's just been the kind of situation it's been for the Cowboys. But, but at this point, what we know now is not nothing that's going to keep him off the field, but you hate to see it because he – He's not had anything. He's not missed a practice. He's not been limited to practice since he's been here. And, of course, we know he's certainly the awesome favorite should be for the defense rookie of the year and is in contention a legitimate candidate for defensive player of the year overall with the way he's playing. And so you don't want any limitations in this game. How do you think they're going to use uh, Demarcus Lawrence this week? And I, and I only ask that in, in the sense of is there any consideration of moving him inside in certain third-down situations just because Michael Parsons can't go from the edge? Oh, no doubt. They will. They, they did that last week. If you saw some of the he, – he, he rushed from the tackle position. You know, and now you got Randy back. You know, it, it, as Michael said, that 300 monster. You know, you're going to find a way. You know, he's going to run. Going, Michael's going to rush from the inside. And, and Demarcus Lawrence is a guy who can rush from the tackle position. And with, with Michael and Randy on the edge, I mean, they're going to do different things and different ways to get all those three guys at the quarterback. And that's going to be a scary sight. Because you saw Demarcus Lawrence at limited snaps last week. He was a beast. He – he showed up, you know, and he, he showed up. And now if Gregory is back to where he was and the way he was wrecking offensive tackles and getting to the quarterback uh, before his calf injury and, and then Micah can be what Micah has been, you know, that's going to be something to see. That's exciting. You know, it's funny because you look at this game, you talk about um, the Cowboys and it's, I would say this false confidence that we're just going to win the game because we're just going to put it all together. You know, I have more confidence right now in the defense and more excitement about what I what you're going to see from the defense than I do for the offense. And that's just crazy because seven of the top eight paid players on this team are on offense, not on defense. You know, but you, if you look at this game and if you really talk about what, what excites you about this team heading towards the end of the season and making the playoff, which it's the defense. As well as defense play, what is Michael Parsons to play? And now you get Randy back, now you get DeMarcus Lawrence back. I want to see those guys get after it. I think there's a chance that they can, you know, they can really wreak some havoc. The concern I have, concern most people have, is this offense. This, this offensive line that suddenly has no chemistry, no cohesion. This running game, which with banged up running backs, and this passing game where Dak has not been at his best, and the receiver suddenly, at least that's the word on the street, and then Mike McCarthy <laughs> talked about it. You know, they don't get separation. You know, you can bump and run and man them and beat them up because they're not. And Jerry talked about, you know, receivers not running routes and not getting separation. That's part of the pass game. And that's where, that's where all the money is. I think um, I think you raise a great point. And I think it's, it's, it's incumbent to point out. 
That ain't Jerry looking at film and determining that. That's somebody told Jerry that. Oh, no. Or he was, that's why I keep telling tell people, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. But Jerry. That's <laughs> yeah, my Jerry show. Don't ever let that happen again. When Jerry comes out and says, I go back to Barry because, you know, we go way back. I never forget Barry Switzer coming out and said, Jerry just came out to coach me. He's telling y'all what we told him. We heard the coach me. Jerry's not making stuff. That's been. Anytime Jerry says something, whether it go back to, you know, when it was uh, uh, Terrence Steele starts, it's something he heard from somebody in the coaching me because he's in the film, in the coaching me. He comes out and says what they likely always don't want to be said, but he says it because he's heard it. He's not just pulling this out of the air or pulling this out of his butt just like this is what Jerry thinks. No, this is what he's heard from the coach. This is what he's heard from the scout. This is what he's heard from, you know, from, from the scout. And, and so, yeah, Jerry's just not pulling that out and making it up to himself. He heard that from the coach for sure. So what's the solution to that? Is that an attention to detail thing? Because, you know, Amari Cooper is generally regarded as one of the best route runners in the game. So where do they go to try and combat not having good routes and some of the physical play they're seeing from corners? Well, I mean, you know, I was listening to Amari Cooper down a dollar the day, and he, he declined to answer questions about his vaccination status. But that's a whole other story. But uh, he talks about the fact that the top three receivers have not been on the field for a full game together all season. So if you want to know how to beat it, it's because you have to rely on your top three receivers being at their best. Season opener okay. they, against, against, against Tampa, you know, uh, Gallup was hurt the third quarter. Okay. Huh. When Gallup came back, he had limited snaps. Then, then McCarthy, then, 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 uh, then, uh, Cooper was out with COVID. Then Cooper came back against the Saints. He had limited snaps. So you haven't seen the full, uh, I guess, thunder of this Cowboys passing game and offense together for a full game. And he said, we're all out there together. We're all healthy. He's healthy and ready to go. That's how you beat it because we're going to be at our best. And, and, and they're going to have to prove it because, you know, Mike McCarthy said, ever since the Denver game, that's been the, that's been the uh I guess we can call it, you know, a, a blueprint because, you know, he was right as a blueprint. Other teams are using it, and it has made the Cowboys offense out of sync. They're, they're mugging them. They're playing match. They're playing man. They're crying them, and they're not getting open as fast. But, of course, it's different when it's C.D. and Noah Brown who are, who are major parts of those passing games than it is when it's your top three receivers who are your top three weapons in those situations. Now you're going to see those top three receivers in those, in those situations, and they better produce. I think that's a uh, I think that's a really good point, man. Because I hadn't thought about it like that that they haven't had all those three guys together, and if they have, it certainly stresses the difference in a different way, and they can create mismatches that they can't get the other in uh, in other right. scenarios. And, and situations. Cedric, we love, we love Cedric, but he's small. They're slight. You know, a lot of guys are slight. You know, you know, and, and so it's just a different challenge. And so you know, it's, it's hard for slight guys to get off press sometimes. And same thing with CD. He's a slight guy. But you, but you know, it's one thing when you got Amari and my, uh, Gallup out there, who was who was a more physical receiver. Uh, and so, if you you cover this up, then one of those other guys can beat you. How you like the matchup with Washington, a team that's won four in a row? Their defense has started to play a lot better. How do you like that Sunday? Well, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. You know, especially with the way the Cowboys run game is going and, and where the Washington run game is. If you watch that Washington run game, the offensive line, their offensive line has been better than the Cowboys as, as of late. You know, they 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 have some chemistry. They move in unison. They they just lot. They they get it done. And and so they're running back. Uh, the the quarterback is is a gamer. He's not special, but he don't really make a lot of mistakes. 
you know, he's going to keep them in the game. Uh, and, and their defense is, is even without their top two defense in pass rushers, they've been pretty good of late. So the Cowboys are going to have to earn it. I think the Cowboys are going to win, but they're going to have to earn this. This, this ain't going to be, we're just going to roll out. A lot of Cowboys fans think, well, we got all our guys back and, you know, everybody's back and we're going to just, we're going to be hit, hitting on all cylinders, you know, just come Sunday. That's not how it works. Well, it's going to have to work to some degree. You know, this is, this is one of those games I think that's really interesting to me because when you look at this, I think most people look at, oh, Washington, New York, Washington. Well, that'll be three wins setting up a game against Arizona. But this is a Washington team, you know, and I know that we make fun of Taylor Heineke like, oh, who the hell is that guy? He's named after a beer. But the reality of it is he's been playing better. And if they go into this game with kind of some of the malaise we've seen recently, they're going to lose, and all of a sudden we start going, okay, well, what about this division here? I mean, this to me, it feels like there's a little bit more at stake in this game than just, no, oh, it's Washington, we're good. No, 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 no that's no doubt. State. Oh, there's no doubt because, you know, you, you lose this game, everything is uh, up in the air because you play Ruskins two weeks later. You know, they're, one, they're two games behind, they're one game behind, and you've you got the Giants game in between, but, but everything is, is up in the air, and then you got Arizona after that. So – you know, this, this thing could come down to the right. That's why this game is important. And Mike McCarthy talked about this game is important. But but the thing about it is, is why he's also giving them false confidence or giving them confidence or, 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 or setting the tone for the Cowboys and saying, we're going to win this game. You know what he's also done? Put bullets in more Badero in Washington. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that fan base, which already is talking about Cowboys week and Dallas week and, 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 and that team, you know, they, they're a confident team. They were feeling good about themselves. Now you're giving them even more reason, a little more motivation going to this game. Okay, that we got to ask this: Do you really believe in bulletin board material of that nature? Because I do. oh yeah, I do. I, I, I I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I know they're pros, but everybody. I mean, you. I mean, they about say Jordan. that after I mean, the look, game. We, we talked about George and his flights. How he used perceived flights. He's been the best ever. And how he used perceived flights. Whatever gets you going, and if, if that gets you going, then, then let that get you going, and then that's okay. But but but. I, I think that, that being disrespected gets you going. And if you perceive that as, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, but if you perceive it as a lack of respect, then yeah, that, 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 you know, it, it may not last for a quarter, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out there how you come out there with the hair on fire with a little, little edge to you. I guess. <laughs> you, don't, you're not, you don't think so? I think all that stuff is bullshit. I think what it okay. does is, I think, no, this is just me. I think what it does is if if that really affects you, then I think what happens is instead of going home at seven o'clock, maybe you go home at seven thirty. I'm gonna watch, you know, two more cutups, a third down tape. Uh, so it's, it, what happens is you get more focused during the week, which is like when teams quit, they don't really quit. What they do is they don't prepare as hard during the week because my season's over, and so instead of leaving at seven, I leave at six. And so I just didn't put in extra work, and so I get caught thinking or guessing I'm not quite as sharp on the field. It looked like you quit, and really you just didn't put the work in. Okay, so what you're saying is you're agreeing with us then, because if it makes them stay a No, I said if. I said I put a big, fat, capital I, capital F. If that's what does it to you. If it was a fit, we'd both be drunk. But my point is this. Um, I had to tell a letter cuss where I just want to be right. if if it's not a, it's, it's, it's a situation of whether it we don't know what it's going to do or not, but you put it out there and you created a situation where it could happen. That's okay, all let I'm me saying. Tell you. You, cre- you created that situation where it could be a possibility, and that's on your own doing. Well, the bottom line is we all we all we can tell you today what's going to happen. 
today, here's what's going to happen. The team that win, it didn't mean nothing. I mean, the team that lose, it didn't mean nothing. And the team that win, oh, yeah, it gave us everything. Of course, and that's how it is. But, <laughs> but, but, I, I don't, but, but you go back, let's go back to 92, 93 Cowboys. Jimmy putting that guarantee and saying we're going to win, that gave his team a lift. I'm sorry, that gave his team a lift. I mean, that that's part of it. This is, you know, whatever you want to call it, that 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 the emotional, psychological, whatever that goes in the sports. Because at the end of the day, everybody gets paid too. Something puts teams over the edge, you know, and some some gives you that extra leg up. And if it helps them get the extra leg up, or helps the Cowboys get the extra leg up, that's why you do it. The reason why McCarthy was smashing water moves. The reason why McCarthy was calling red last week. Whatever you need to give you that edge is, is, is what you use. And so, I mean, we can't say that it's positive when the Cowboys do it, but it's not. it makes no difference if the other team uses it as motivation as well. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all in the same basket. Yeah, but the final word is if all that shit worked, then people would do it every week and it would work, but it don't. Because so you never know because what. Because it's not every week because it's. You it's just rattled off season. several several things McCarthy's done every week. Well, he's not done them every week. He, he, he you know, of course, as we were laughing in the media room, we don't know he may have done them every week, but we only we only hear about them when they win. We don't hear about them right. when they lose. He may have done some in Kansas City, but we don't hear about it when they lose. We only hear about the red ass week and the watermelons after they win games. We don't hear about it when they lose games and that stuff didn't work. But uh, right, right. but that's all part of it. I mean, the sports is psychological. I mean, part you know, it, it is psychological. You you can you can have somebody's number. You can have somebody's edge. It's about confidence. All this stuff plays a role, just like extra motivation. Yeah, yeah you should be working oh, yeah. hard every week. You should every every. So that's what I'm talking about. People lie. They, you know that every game is the same. I keep no people don't go and have the same emotional level for every game. Hey, let me take they y'all don't. behind the curtain. Let me take y'all behind the curtain. Ooh, a special insight. I used to start back when I was covering the beat back in the day when the grown ass men covered the beat. I used to tell class at the start of football, I said, dog, I'm going to kick your ass for the next 16 weeks and you just going to sit there and take it. And then I went out there and did it. Okay, whatever. Anyway, the bottom line, we're talking about real I didn't football. hear a denial. We ain't talking about fantasy football. I'm sitting in the car sweating and hot with the women's out the gas station. And I'm not, I don't need to listen to this BS no more. It's all love, man. You know you my dog. It's all love. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there sweating because y'all tell me you don't like it on the car radio. So I cut the car off. No, I appreciate that. It sounds way better. I have no air and I'm sweating, sweating, sweating. (laughs) (laughs) I got to listen to this beer. It's my show. (laughs) Be on on time tonight. That's what you need to do. Yeah, whatever, dog. Oh, that was shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jim. Matt, you, you, you at least finally covered the winning team. I saw you predict, you know, the Georgia victory. Not the, the Alabama victory with Georgia. I did. I did predict it. Well, we got one, one last real question before you leave us, Mr. Hill. Okay. Is Quinn Ewers coming to Texas? Yes. Because he cashed him checks at, with the Buckeyes night left? And we ain't mad that he left. <laughs> get, your, get your dollars up, Texas Tech. Get your dollars up. They, 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 they cashing dollars down there. Listen. If he I can't believe he's going to big- Texas Tech. If he play, yeah. If he wants to play the big boys to come to Texas, I don't know why this is even a, a question. At this I don't point. either. I, I don't know why this is a question. You know, in matter of fact, I'm gonna just say it. I'm gonna question him if he go to Texas Tech. Like, uh, uh, no what doubt. are you doing? No doubt. And then you already question because the uh, South Lake is already in, you know 
in the state semifinals without him. Yeah, and they the favorite to win it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm um, just saying, hey, if you're that guy and, and, and you are who you think you are, and you're going, the money's going to be right. There's, there's no question why you wouldn't come to Texas. Would you know you right, not with the, you know you you wouldn't play with Stark Starkeesan over Joey McGuire and I mm. love Joey, you know, but he's won nothing. He's done. I mean, you know, he, he's done nothing. He has no skills on the wall as far as a college coach. And Starkeesan right. has coached Heisman Trophy when has coached teams of national champions. Has has developed quarterbacks who are pro quarterbacks. This this is a no brainer. You know, if you're a quarterback trying to get to the pro, seems like it to me. But we'll see. All right, Chill. I appreciate you guys. Yep, thanks for sweating your ass off. We appreciate you. I, yeah. I am. Do you really appreciate this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. All hey, right. Just so y'all know, that was a true story. I did use to kick his ass on the regular basis. <laughs> he can't even. I will say he didn't deny it. He just said <laughs> no, whatever. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He just said whatever. He didn't even try yeah. to deny it. Right, right. I'm so just he, saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. So there he is. It's good to talk to Chill. We hadn't <laughs> talked to him in a couple weeks. Right. Can't you tell? He had a lot stored up for us. (laughs) Apparently. So I wanted to continue the conversation here. We've got a couple of other things that I just wanted to bring up real quick. Before we do that, Christmas time, we were talking about Christmas lights and whatnot earlier on our trip around the block. If you are looking for a great gift idea, may I direct you in the direction of Kinley Rose, the online women's boutique. They will make great gifts for your lady with the holiday season upon us, focusing on attainable style, without sacrificing comfort. Support local small business and check them out online at kinleyrose.com, K-I-N-L-E-Y, rose.com. Also on their Instagram, at shopkinleyrose. If you're looking for a, a cute new outfit for yourself or guys, if you see something on there that you think your lady might like, they do gift cards. You could order that for a perfect stocking stuffer, I can tell you that. And I would encourage you, make sure you use the promo code JAMSESSION10 and you'll get 10% off your first order. It's KinleyRose.com, the new online women's boutique. But I had a couple things I wanted to bring up with you. First, Eric sent us an email, and, and I figured we'll just talk about this, and I'll answer his question, because he said, and this is true, he goes, I realize Justice Sip is hard to pull off these days, but I was wondering if you could consider commenting on a potentially relevant issue for travelers. Beer temperature. He said, I'm going to swing by False Idol soon to grab a few deers, beer, deers? A few beers yeah. for my dad. He lives in Houston, so I'll be driving down. For someone like me taking a long drive, what's your advice about beers and a cooler and things like that? Temperature for beer. And I will tell you this. So beer is interesting. The general rule of thumb is if it's cold, you want to try and keep it cold. But it is okay if it warms up. The thing that you don't want to do is if you buy beer cold and you let it warm up, you don't want to cool it off and then let it warm up again and then cool it off again. One time you're going to be okay with that. But the more that you put the beer through that, it's going to take away and it can damage the beer if you do that multiple times. Generally speaking, yes. Like I've talked about how I'm going to be picking up like cases of beer. I will probably most likely grab that cold and I'm not going to be able to keep it cold, but I'm not worried. Now, do I want it sitting in a hot car? Do I want it out in the sun? No. Right. But if it's going to warm up and I'm keeping it at room temperature, like you have to realize most of the time when you buy beer at the store, unless you are buying it out of the cooler, if you buy it off the shelf, that beer was delivered there cold. And then it sits in the back at a Kroger or wherever you happen to go. It'll sit in the back until they take it out of the back and put it on the shelves or in the cooler themselves. 
So it's okay for that to happen. You just don't want to be the hot, you know, the, the warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, cold process. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I trust your judgment on it. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, 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 that's just how it is. But yeah, I travel with the cooler. I will have some beers that I'll put in a cooler. It just depends on what it is. You also have to keep in mind, like cans, especially cans are like mini kegs. You know, bottles will allow light in, even dark bottle, a little light still going to get in. So if you're going to do something like that and I'm going to buy bottles, I would put them in a cooler to keep them away from the light. Cans is a different bit. But again, you know, you don't really have to deal with this. Or I guess maybe you guys did in Texas today when you had 80 degree weather in the middle of December, you know, but if you're going to have it in a hot car, you don't want that happening. It's just going to warm up a little bit too much. You don't want to mess with that, but it's he goes so he also asked with all the flavors in craft beer would serving temperature be a worthy consideration yes there are depending on the style of beer you don't want to ever serve beer too cold but at the same time different styles are different ways like like all beer you want it somewhere really the sweet spot is in the 40s low 50s as far as temperature you want stronger beers to be served warmer, like a darker beer, like a stout. You wouldn't mind it being 50-ish. Let it warm up a little bit, and it opens the flavor of the beer. IPAs, you're going to want served at a little bit cooler, but as that beer warms up, you're going to notice the hop flavor a little bit more. You never want to serve them too cold. Like, there is a famous establishment that serves it, and they go, all of our beer has ice in it, 29 degrees. Kick ass. You can't taste anything in that. Who knew there was so much, bro? Yeah, man. I mean, that's just something that, you know, I'm, I'm really into that where you want them served in that range it, because if, if they're too cold, it mutes the, the, it mutes the different flavors, especially with IPAs. If they're too cold, it'll mute the hops. You can't taste what you're drinking. They're supposed to be bitter. You want to taste the hops. You don't want it too cold. See? All this stuff I learned from beer from Matt McLaren, I never knew. Yeah, so there you go. So hopefully that answers your question. But I also wanted to bring this up because you had, you had messaged me earlier today, and I talked about this today on my show. We now know, thanks to Brandon Marcello, who covers college football for 24-7 sports. By the way, you talk about a dude, you talk about weight loss. Brandon Marcello, when I lived here before, was a huge guy. He lost over 100 pounds. And is now like a, a like I saw him. I was like, oh my god, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's Brandon Marcel. Like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. So he's a good dude. But he tweeted out, he was the one that broke the news today that EA Sports, NCAA college football, they are planning. The hope is that they will re-release it and have the new version ready to go for summer 2023. <clears throat> Now, they announced that this was happening in the summer last year, so going to give them a couple of years to develop it and get it the way they want, but that's what the plan is, that 2023 will have the new football game out. Now, let me give you all some advice. This is just from your boy. Start going to get your PS5 now. Man, they're not cheap, and they're hard to find, man. Dude, did you think I was playing? No. That's why I said start to process now. So that when the game comes out, even if you don't play anything before it comes out, you have acquired the system and it's in your house and it's plugged up, ready to go so that you can make it happen. Yeah, because I'm going to tell you this straight up. I love the NCAA college football game. I know you still play it. You still have it. I had it on my PS3, but my PS3 crashed and I'm not just going to buy another one. So I don't have it anymore. And I've been playing Madden. 
but when that game exists, I will not play Madden. I will play that game exclusively. No, that's my go-to. It is a phenomenal game. And I'll be, I was talking about this today because think about the last time it came out was when Denard Robinson, Shoelaces, was on the cover in 2014. The next time it comes out, it'll have almost been a decade. Think about the stuff that you're going to get to deal with in the new version of the game. You're going to have the transfer portal. You're going to have NILs. You're going to have a college football playoff, probably at 12 teams. Dude, it's going to be insane, bro. It's going to be awesome. Imagine at the end of the year, hey, will Matt McLaren stay? What are you going to offer? More NIL money? More playing time? Yeah. <laughs> or Matt McLaren's entered the transfer portal. Can you get him to stay? Yeah, it'll be, you know, and if you're coaching, it'll be okay. Because remember the game, it would, it, well, you're getting an offer from here. It's three years or four years. No, it'll be 10 years now. All these college yeah. coaches are getting like 10-year extensions now. Dude, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be great, man. It's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I think all of that stuff is uh, is great. You know, because one of the things I loved about NCAA was all the stuff you could do without actually playing the game, whether it was recruiting or all this other stuff that we're talking about. It's uniforms, it's numbers, it's names, it's mm-hmm. creating recruits. It's, it's all of yep. that. And to me, that's what made it the the whole experience. Um, and you could you could have a blast, and I've done this before back in the day. I could have a blast messing around with NCAA football for two two and a half hours, never having played a single game. Oh, there's no doubt because you're recruiting everybody. I'm recruiting. Yeah. I'm making sure. Or how about this? I used to do this. I I would spend. Some of that two and a half hours, if I had just had a, a day where I wasn't doing anything, and what y'all got to remember. For a long time, like a long time, when I was a beat guy covering the Cowboys, I would basically be off from June 2nd or 3rd until like July, the middle of July. Nice. Because of all the time I had during the season. At a certain point in my career, I had accumulated so much vacation time. So I had six weeks off. So, I mean, at a certain point, you really ain't got nothing to do. So I would, but I would fool around with uniforms, man. I'd make sure this guy had a had a visor on, and this guy, oh, he's supposed to be my best player. Let me make sure his wristbands match everything. So I'd goof around with that. But uh, it's all the ancillary stuff, man, that that made the game great. In yeah. addition to the gameplay. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved. It. And and what made it so fun is. I always enjoyed. Like I would play with Texas some, and I, and I I liked playing with some of the traditional powers. But it, it was always so fun to take like a UAB or, or an Akron or somebody and figure out how to build them up to the level where you could compete for a national title. And yeah. I, always, I always thought that was fun because like when you take one of those lower pro, it's like real life. Like you could, you could not get a five-star to come to your program. Couldn't do it. <laughs> so what I would do is I would take the two and three-star guys, but I would, only, I, would, I would recruit speed. I would take the fastest guys I could find. Right. Now, like my wide receivers, I would have some of the fastest wide receivers that were coming out, but all their other ratings were really low. So it'd be like a two or a three-star guy. The frustration would come where their catch rating wouldn't be as good, you know, and they they could get open and then they drop it. (laughs) But it reflects the way and the level of what these these lower tier schools are, are working with. And I used to, man, I would build up some of these small programs, and then I'd get bored once I won a national title. Like, up oh, time to jump up to whatever. <laughs> you, I mean, you knew that's – I mean, y'all can only imagine Matt on this game. Oh, the way no Matt doubt. likes to play. Yep. So, And everybody likes to play their own way. And, again, when it comes out, don't be asking me to hit me up online because I ain't going to play you. 
because I play for fun, not to compete. Um, I don't, I'm not interested in having my stress level up because you got some glitch play you figured out. Yeah. Or I'm not interested in losing 57 to nothing so you can talk shit on Twitter because you spend 47 hours a week practicing and I play like an hour and a half a week. So to prevent all of that, I stay in my own little Taylor bubble and uh, play franchise mode when I can work it in and have fun. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how I – I mean, you know how I do it. I mean, do that now with NBA 2K that I'm playing – I haven't played it in a while, but I just don't care. I, I want Luca to score 100 points a game. That's, I like that's it. That's how Matt has fun. Yeah, I, I want when I go through, and one thing I love about NBA 2K22 is it is very statistically detailed on how it keeps stats and, and it shows you all these NBA records. And Luca's now like has the top five NBA records for a lot of different stuff, <laughs> which I like. Yeah, I like. He he has the top five scoring performances in NBA history. He scored over 100 several times. You know, Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game is a joke to Luca <laughs> in the video game world. You know, but I think that's fun. Like, when I, in maybe next, I may just do one season and then move on. Who knows? But, you know, that's the type of stuff that I've always enjoyed doing. And I'm, I'm stoked that they're making this video game and they've got to figure it out with the NILs. And they still don't know what the deal is with the, the college football playoff expansion. You know, they met last week in Dallas and they emerge and they go, yes, we all agree. We want to expand. Now it's just, okay, well, how do we agree on what that expansion is going? It's going to be 12 teams. <laughs> it's going to be one of two things. And they're fighting about this right now. It's either going to be the five plus one, which is the five automatic. If you win your conference, you're in. And then the, whoever the highest ranked conference group of five winner is, is in. And then six at large. Or it'll be, it doesn't matter if you win your conference. It's the highest ranked, the six highest ranked conference champions, which isn't necessarily guarantee, which I think is weird. It doesn't necessarily guarantee a power five, a spot. If somehow two group of five teams, I, it, it's really odd. Well, that's, I don't like that one because it's just a, it's just another way to try to keep the group of five out. Let them in there, man. If they get their head kicked in, they get it kicked in. And if yeah. they win, they win. So the other thing just legislate everything. I wanted to throw this out to you as well. Are, are, do you pay any attention to the Heisman anymore? Nope. See, I don't either. And I used I mean, to. I might, I might on some years, but I don't now because. And I don't want to sound like uh, get off my lawn, man. But you used to really think it was the best player in college football. Yeah. Now it's like it's a quarterback award, but I thought that's what the Davey O'Brien was for or whatever. You know, they've just made it the quarterback award um, because you could argue that the defensive end from Michigan, you could argue that he's the best player in the country. Um, you could argue that some other people were. It's not always a quarterback. But because they've made it a quarterback award, eh, it doesn't really do much for me. Like, damn, Matt, who won it last year? Did Devontae Smith win yeah, last Devontae year? Yeah, Devontae Smith won it last year. All right. Well, I guess it wasn't a quarterback award for one year. Yeah, for one year. But it, it, Bryce Young's going to win it this year, so to go back to the quarterback. But, yeah, see, but he's had – I mean, he's had a great year. But, yeah. I mean, it became a process of elimination award this year. Yeah, like to me it's it's – I don't like it anymore because the ceremony is so freaking ridiculous and over the top – you know, where they'll spend two hours leading up to really what you all want to see, which is focus on the one guy, let him speak. And then, I don't know, it, it's really odd, that whole bit. 
the whole thing with the presentation of it, I, it, it's, you know, you spend all season with the passion and the pageantry of college football. And then the most prestigious award, they go into like a, a, a rich people's library and give it out. <laughs> like I, I was saying, I think it'd be cool if they did it like how the NFL Hall of Fame does it. Go to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, do the ceremony in Centennial Park and allow fans to come and cheer for the kids that are winning these things. Yeah, I can see that. That, would, that wouldn't be too bad. But as somebody pointed out to me, prestigious award deserves a prestigious ceremony. It's like, who gives a crap? I was going to say, whatever, dog. <laughs> and they don't care. Nobody even knows anymore. But, yeah, the Heisman Trophy is this weekend. Bryce Young is going to win it. He'll be, how about this? Alabama's been playing football since the 1800s. They never had a Heisman Trophy winner. Namath, Bart Starr, nobody, ever, until Nick Saban showed up, and they're about to have their fourth. Dude, I mean, you know, they're the best team, and so the best player and the best team usually wins the Heisman. They usually do. So enjoy all that. Complicated. Yeah. The more intriguing question is, will he be able to go back to back like Archie Griffin? See, and that's because he'll be the favorite coming into next year. Right. Because we all thought Tebow was going to win it. Yep. He won as a sophomore. You certainly thought Johnny Football, oh, my God, yeah. And neither one of them could get it done. So it'll be interesting to see if Bryce can get it done. Yeah, and part of the problem is, too, is because he could have his equally a good year, but he's going to need to blow his stats out of the water for what he did this year for them to be like, oh, wow, he was so much better. Not just – Look at the numbers that's, he had last year. He matched that. Well, you know, let's give it to somebody else. That's what happened. Well, that's, that's, why, that's why I don't care about the award because yeah. shit like that gets involved as opposed yep. to who's the best player. Yep, it, it does. It does indeed. Let's do it. We do it every week. Another big Cowboys game coming up Sunday afternoon against the football team. And to talk about that and all things Cowboys around the NFL, he is brought to you, as always, by Medea from Scratch. It is ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder. And, Ed, I know, what would a, a Cowboys week be like without the drama of a Pollard injury, a Micah Parsons appearance on the injury report, and not only does Coach Mike McCarthy return, he basically guarantees they're going to win the game on Sunday. Yeah, he didn't use the word guarantee like Joe Namath in his Fort Lauderdale poolside lounge chair. Um, and he didn't say put it in three-inch headlines like Jimmy Johnson did before the 1994 NFC Championship game. But when you think about the fact that Mike McCarthy expressed without equivocation that the, that the Cowboys are going to win in Washington and that he did it in his first day back for an in-person news conference at the Star after spending 10 days at a nearby hotel in quarantine, fully thinking about what it was he wanted to say <laughs> and the message he wanted to send, we have to conclude that this was very calculated by Mike McCarthy. And like I said, while it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's not Jimmy Johnson on the spectrum. It's not Jason Garrett either. It's somewhere in between, but it's a lot closer to Jimmy than to Jason. And the greatest moment of all, if that wasn't good enough, and I thought it was more than I expected, uh, out here at the Star covering the, the team today for ESPN, uh, we went to the practice uh, field and got a chance to ask Dak his reaction. And so I was trying to you know, be very careful about how I presented what Mike said because I didn't want to be accused of taking it out of context. I didn't want to misrepresent it you know, to the quarterback. And so I'm saying, so Mike didn't say he guaranteed it, but he left no doubt you know, that, you guys, that he expects you guys are going to win in Washington. And before I could finish, Dak nodded, looked at me, and said, um, I like that. Yeah. 
shit. Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he went on to say, hey, you know, it doesn't mean – it doesn't put any extra pressure on us as players. He said it's not anything – you know, anybody here at the facility not thinking is going to happen on Sunday, you know, but he gave a voice to it. And, and so now he's, they've got to turn his rhetoric into prophecy. I loved it, man. It, uh, I mean, I don't like at one level, I didn't think it was any big deal, but so many yeah. times, man, coaches act like, Oh, it's just another game or no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does matter, man. So when you get a coach who on this day decided, yeah, I'll, I'll step out there and say what everybody knows we need to do anyway. Um, I and, and he was, was cool. asked about, you know, he didn't back away when he was he was asked, "Hey, aren't you, you know, concerned about bulletin board material for Washington?" And he basically said, "Well, what do you want me to say? I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think we're going to win. I think it's part of being a competitor. I think we're going to win every game we play. So he's been right eight times and wrong four times so far. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's he's made no small point about, you know, the importance of a division game. Uh, in fact, he showed the players. He said a video presentation today. Uh, you know, educating the young players on the rivalry between the two franchises, the history of those games, including, you know, uh, Roger Staubach and Tom Landry elements. Um, and, and he's talked about, hey, I love the fact that, you know, we're where we are and we're going to finish with, you know, four of our last five games against the division. And, and he should love it. You know, I mean, they've, they've rolled these teams for the most part when they've had Dak. Uh, he's been the dominant player in the division since he became the starting quarterback in 2016. I mean, he's He's won seven out of the eight games against Washington. He's thrown 13 touchdown passes and one interception. And the Cowboys got to feel like they're the better team and they owe for last year when Dak wasn't in the lineup. How do we view the news of Tony Pollard, who revealed today that he he tore his plantar fascia, which it sounds like game-time decision, but how can you be effective and do the things he does with the torn plantar fascia? Well, we can't diminish the importance of Tony Pollard to not only the offense, but the special teams. I mean, the Cowboys, three Cowboys offensive players have scored 50-yard touchdowns, and he's got two of them. And he's got the two most recent ones on the 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and then uh, the 58-yard touchdown run that broke the game open and unfortunately resulted in his injury. Um, and, you know, the, I think they're agonizing over the puzzling failure of their running game anyway. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's, been playing through this knee thing, this knee problem. He won't be specific as to what the injury is, but he said it's getting better. Uh, he's feeling stronger, but he also said it's going to take another three or four weeks before he's fully recovered. And this, to me, is really where all the offensive problems uh, begin. And, and so I don't think the Cowboys can get right on offense until they can uh, be effective running the football on first down. I mean, if you look, remember early in the year when they were winning six in a row, all they kept saying was, we're going to aggressively take whatever the defense gives us. We can win with our running game or we can win with our passing game. Take your pick. Well, right. that was true early on. You know, the first eight weeks of the season, the Cowboys averaged 5.2 yards per run on first down. That was the highest mark in the NFL. And since the start of week nine, they've dropped to 3.8 yards per rush on first down runs. That's 22nd in the NFL. They've fallen 22 spots in like five weeks. And it coincides with Ezekiel Elliott having the worst five-game streak of his career three times in a row, three weeks in a row. He, like, replaced the first week and put the last week. It's still the worst. The next week, the same thing. Replace the first week of that streak. This one's worse. I mean, it's, it's really a bad situation that, to me, they've got to fix if they're going to achieve their goals uh, from this point forward. And it all started when he got hurt, I guess, during the Carolina game where he had 140 yards. 
because uh, yeah. they haven't done anything since then. And, yeah, and uh, I, I think the next week, you know, somebody said to me, well, uh, when I was talking about, you know, last week, somebody here told me uh, that they were going to discuss giving him the week off. And that was the time to do it. They could have gotten him basically two and a half weeks off missing one game. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't that big a factor in the one game anyway. He knew he wouldn't be because really, except for the Eagles, nobody has run against the New Orleans defense in, in two or three years. Um, but now they missed that window, and now they can't do it because Pollard may be more injured than, than Zeke is. Pollard said he's going to be a game-time decision uh, on Sunday. Now, McCarthy said he expects to have both running backs available, but they didn't sign Edo Smith because they're 100% confident they're going to have <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard the next few weeks. No. Uh, I guess that puts more onus on the quarterback to be better than he has been. He's been good, but they need him to be back to the elite MVP level uh, this week. You think? Yeah, and, and like I said, he's dominated this and you know this division and this particular team. Um, at the same time, McCarthy did. I know. I know some people mock the fact that you know Vic Pangio said teams when when they beat Dallas and, and held them what they scored the first thirty points of the game and beat them. And nothing's really been the same for the Cowboys since then. And Vic Pangio boasted that hey, people don't know how to play him, and we did. And you know McCarthy actually alluded to that today. He actually said they've been played differently um, in terms of teams being physical with their corners against the outside receivers. And you can do that if you don't have to worry about the running game. And I don't, it, you know, it doesn't seem like opponents are concerned about that. And the other part of that is Dak doesn't run anymore. You know, yeah. Dak used to be one of the great, you know, runners at the quarterback position in the league and liked to be a physical, you know, performer in the game. Thought it kind of got everybody going. And, you know, look at the last four weeks. Two for two carries, five yards. Zero for zero, one for three, three for minus three. This is a guy who, in his first four full seasons, averaged 25 rushing first downs per year. You know how many he has this year? Uh-oh. Two. Three. He has two. Uh, wow. And he rushed There's for six touchdowns each of his first three years. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's just not, he's not a threat at all to run, and maybe he shouldn't be. I mean, his health obviously comes first. They found out last year, you know, how much they need him. And he can win from the pocket. They can win without that. But it would help be helpful in a situation like this, I think. But, yeah, you're right. Dak's got to carry this this offense. And that's the expectation when you're making $40 million a year and you want to be part of the MVP conversation. And he's fully capable of doing it. The flip side of this, when we talk about the offense and Dak has to carry it, I, I think maybe a month ago even, you look at the Washington game and you go, well, that, that'll be an easy one. All they've done is win four in a row. They beat Tampa. They beat the Seahawks. They beat the Raiders, which the Cowboys couldn't do. But I think when you look at Washington, the real thing is how the defense, even without Chase Young, has all of a sudden started to turn around and play a lot better than they were earlier in the year. What have you seen from Washington that has instigated this change to where they now have four wins in a row? Yeah, I think you know, they started. One of the things they've cited is they've started using Landon Collins, the safety that they signed to a big contract from the Giants a few years ago, uh, differently. He's more of a role player now. Um, but you know, you're you're not surprised that Washington was able to turn it around. I mean, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are both former linebackers in the NFL, both former or current head coaches in the NFL. So these are two guys who really know a lot about how to play defense. And, um, you know, they made the necessary adjustments. You're right about Chase Young. That's a terrible, you know, to blow, to lose your best young edge rusher. And now they've lost Montez Sweat this week, uh, who I think was 
leading the team in sacks with four in the eight games that he's played. Now he's out because he was not vaccinated and he tested positive for COVID. Uh, so that's going to be a challenge for them defensively. And again, gives you reason to believe that the Cowboys should be able to win the game. But during the four-game winning streak that Washington has, has gone on to put themselves back in a playoff spot, they've only allowed an average of 17.5 points a game. And oh, guess what? The Cowboys have the biggest scoring splits in terms of scoring at home versus scoring on the road. They average over 35 points a game at home, but they only average 23 points a game on the road. And now you're putting them on the road against a good team, a good defensive team that's really been able to hold opponents down and they're one-dimensional on top of that. To me, that's the challenge. I think the one thing that that plays in their favor, and, and Dak made reference to this today, was, hey, we're going to have Randy Gregory and you know Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence for what they played 28 snaps out of 670 defensive snaps this year. They've played together since week one. You know, they're going to create some havoc. They're going to get some turnovers and we're going to get an extra possession or two a game with this group of players out there on defense. And, and maybe that'll happen, but uh, Taylor Heineke has been playing, you know, really good football too. Well, I think the, uh, that leads to the question, man, is, is how do you think they go about winning this game? Cause you know, it feels like it's going to be kind of a tight fit. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they've got to have success throwing the ball. I don't, I don't expect they're going to be able to run uh, with two running backs who aren't healthy um, and and haven't been able to produce on a consistent, you know, snap to snap basis for the past five weeks. I don't know why all of a sudden they're going to be able to run the football against Washington. Maybe it'll happen. Uh, you right. know, Zeke does have a great history against them, but but recently, based on what we've seen and know and knowing that both players have leg injuries, you know, it's hard to expect much there. I think they match up much better if they can pass protect, if Dak can, you know, get back to making some plays outside the pocket, extending, uh, you know, being a little more accurate with the football. I mean, I think he still played well, um, but he hasn't played to the level that he was playing at earlier in the year. I think he's, from what he said today, uh, you know, he has spent a lot of time, uh, 15, 20 minutes every day after practice working with the receivers, on the routes that they're having problems with, uh, trying to you know get a better sense of one another. So I think that that all has to come into play this weekend, and they've got to be able to uh, create some big plays in the passing game that we just haven't seen very often lately. When we look elsewhere around the NFL, Ed, I'm curious because the AFC to me is is fascinating this year. Where 13 teams out of the 16 have six or more. I mean, there's there's 13 teams between six and nine wins. When you look over at the other conference, who do you see that stands out to you as actually being a, a team to beat over there in that conference? Well, I think it's New England. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't supposed to, it wasn't supposed to be New England. They were supposed to be in a transition year with the drafting a rookie quarterback and, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick making that big, you know, offseason free agency investment in, in a couple of different tight ends, John U. Smith and uh, Hunter Hayes. And uh, not, not Hunter Hayes, is it Henry, Hunter Henry, Hunter mm-hmm. Henry. And, um, uh, but you know, they, their defense has played great. They're, they're number one in the league in defense. Everything basically Buffalo was doing on both sides of the ball early in the year, at least statistically, in terms of, you know, being number one ranked in scoring offense and point differential and defensive points allowed. That's now New England with a rookie quarterback. Um, and, and we've seen their ability to adjust to, whether it's a weather circumstance like they had last week or, you know, in-game adjustments. They competed with Dallas. They should, probably should have won the game up there. They went to overtime. Uh, but I would say that's the shocker to me 
is that this was Buffalo's year to finally win that division um, and dominate the division, and they didn't take advantage of the opportunity. And now Buffalo is getting to the point where, geez, they might struggle to make the playoffs if they don't start winning some games. And their next two games are against Tampa and and New England, and they can't stop the run. No, they got a problem, man, a big problem. They got a lot of problems, yeah, <laughs> a lot of problems. But uh, I, mean, believe- I just don't think anybody expected New England to be in this position, and it really speaks to – you know, the the kind of coaching that they have um, to create this opportunity for them in a year where it wasn't supposed to exist. I say, do you believe in the Chiefs? I, I like the Chiefs. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to accept where they are. Um, I still think it's – I still think Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, but he certainly hasn't played like that for a huge part of the season. In fact, what, the last five weeks he's thrown one or fewer touchdowns. They're coming off a – uh, two games where he failed to throw a touchdown pass in consecutive games for the first time in his career. Um, so I think they're more beatable than they've ever been. Um, but I still like them to get to that championship game at least. Um, you know, I think they have a considerable home field advantage. And while I still think they're lacking a playmaker on offense, I got to go with Andy Reid. You got to go with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and, and the great young quarterbacking that, that, that he provides them. Uh, but I think I don't think they're a sure thing like we expected they were going to be. Do you buy into Arizona as a threat in the NFC? Just just because Jacques and I were talking about this last podcast that we did, where it's so rare to see a team that has no playoff experience. Their coach has no playoff experience. You know, we went back to the greatest show on turf the year before they won the Super Bowl. They had a horrible record. But but where do you put the Cardinals, a team that's ten and two, the best record in the NFL? Yet none of those guys know what it's like to do it in the playoffs. Well, but but they've been kind of you know steadily building this whole thing under you know Cliff Kingsbury. They've you know won three more games every year uh, that he's been the head coach, and I think you know you can't overlook the fact that they've gone on the road and they've dominated. They've won all seven road games by double digits. They haven't turned the ball over on the road. Their their turnover differential is like plus fifteen on the road, and. So they're winning these games decisively. They've won. They played three games without their quarterback and without you know DeAndre Hopkins, and they won two of those. So I mean, I just think they've met every challenge. Now they've got they've got a, a tough finish here. I think. Uh, I think everybody in the NFC is pulling for the Rams to win against them on Monday night because it throws uh, open the number one seed. Uh, I really think. I think they're a legit team. I mean, they they play great on defense. They. They stop the run. They rush the passer. They can run the ball with the quarterback and with the traditional running game. Uh, you know, they're unique in the number of times they put four and five receivers out in routes. So, yeah, I think they're legit. I know most people dismiss them, but I think they learned from last year, you know, when they were in this position um, that they didn't react well to Kyler Murray being hurt and they didn't sit him. And this time they sat him and they made sure – that he's fully healthy going into the final month of the season. And if he doesn't get hurt between now and then, I do like Arizona. All right. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate the conversation. We'll talk to you next week. Good to talk to you guys. All right. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Interesting to say to us again next week. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Thanks, Ed. Thanks. All right, there he is, longtime ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder. As always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. Three delicious, wonderful DFW area locations in Grapevine, Plano, and Flower Mound. So check those guys out today. And if you're still looking, don't forget you got holiday parties. I know a lot of people, even if you're having some folks over to the house, they cater. 
and you can have your holiday party at Medea from scratch. So check them out. It is a fantastic, tasty treat to put something in your mouth from Medea from scratch. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.